Hello and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyten, and in this podcast, we'll be discussing high coffee consumption um, and its association with decreased multiple sclerosis risk, uh, the results from two independent studies. So this research paper was selected for the patient choice for the May issue of the JNMP journal. I'm joined today by first author on the paper, Ellen Mowry, who is Associate Professor of Neurology at John Hopkins Hospital. Thank you for joining me today, Ellen. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. So first of all, I wanted to ask a bit of background. What evidence is out there for links between coffee consumption and MS? So we were interested in looking at coffee consumption as potentially a player in multiple sclerosis risk because we know the incidence of MS, meaning the number of people who are developing the disease, has increased over the past several decades in many locations. So we're very curious to look at changes in lifestyle or environmental exposures that might explain this increase in risk. And coffee and caffeine in general have been of interest to us because of two things. One is that there's a mouse version of multiple sclerosis called EAE, and caffeine or coffee have both been shown to be protective against developing that disease in mice. And furthermore, there are studies in humans with other neurologic diseases that are characterized by loss of neurons in the brain, the nerve cells themselves, and those diseases are Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and caffeine or coffee have been linked as protective, actually, against those diseases. So we were really curious as to whether or not it played a role in the development of multiple sclerosis as well. Uh, You used data from two large uh, case control studies um, and obviously looked at coffee consumption and its association with the risk of multiple sclerosis. Um, The full details of the methods and, and of course, your findings can be found in the paper on the JNMP website. But I wondered if you could just walk us through the the main findings from the paper, the main striking findings with regards to this association. Yes. So we used two large cohort studies, which involved studying people with and without multiple sclerosis to investigate the association of coffee intake and the risk of developing multiple sclerosis. And basically, in these patients and the controls, the people without the disease, we asked uh, them about their coffee and caffeine intake um, that had occurred prior to the onset of their MS symptoms. We looked both in the year prior to the diagnosis or onset of MS and in the years um, even preceding that. The two cohorts that we looked at included one in Sweden and one in Northern California in the United States. And essentially, we looked at various levels of coffee intake. Now, a cup of coffee is different in size in Sweden compared to the United States. In Sweden, a cup is defined as about 150 milliliters, whereas in the United States, it's about 237 milliliters. So we broke down coffee intake into various categories. But interestingly, when we looked at the highest category of coffee intake, it was about the same amount of fluid or coffee that the the two groups consumed. So it was greater than six cups of coffee in Sweden or four or more cups of coffee in the United States. And so we evaluated whether... um, Drinking coffee was associated with MS risk, taking into account other environmental or other exposures that might influence that relationship. And what we saw was really strikingly similar results 
when we analyzed the data in the two cohorts um, independently, um, and very similar results when we pooled the, pooled the um, analysis together. Um, so, namely, what we looked at was um, the odds associated of uh, developing MS um, if you drank a lot of coffee, so more than uh, six cups in Sweden or at least four cups in the United States. And odds are expressed as sort of one, meaning no association, greater than one, meaning an increased association, or less than one, meaning a reduced association. And what we found is that the people who were taking in that high amount of coffee had an odds ratio for developing MS of about 0.7. So a pretty substantial reduction um, in the likelihood of developing MS if, uh, if people drank a lot of coffee. And again, that was adjusted for other variables like smoking and that sort of thing. So this is, it sounds like it's not necessarily those who drank coffee versus those who absented from coffee, but actually was defined by the amounts of coffee drunk. Have I, have I understood that correctly? Or Yeah, so we split the group into, into various categories and we looked at, um, at the risk in the highest category, for example, and we saw that their coffee was really associated with a reduced risk of developing MS. And then we looked at the sort of overall trend as you came up from not being a coffee drinker to drinking quite a bit of coffee. Mm-hmm. That association was also very meaningful. So, you know, just in general, more coffee um, sort of trended towards um, being linked with a lower MS risk. And what about sort of other caffeine products like tea? Was that considered or is there any evidence for any neuroprotective qualities there at all? The Swedish study didn't have the capacity to look at tea, and um, we tried to look at that in the Northern California cohort, um, and using sort of similar methods, we looked at actually soda or pop intake as well as tea, and we didn't really see the same link, um, whether that's because um, there's something special about coffee and the, and the other things that are in coffee other than caffeine, or whether it's because perhaps the coffee or the caffeine intake is lower in those other beverages, we're not really sure. And it's also important to note that these results are considered retrospective, meaning we asked people about their coffee intake after they'd already developed MS. In Sweden, it was almost at the time that the MS started. Um, in the Northern California study, it was could have been several years afterwards. So there's a potential that people are not remembering correctly their own coffee intake. Um, and so that's also always important to keep in mind that these results really do need some confirmation in a study where people ask, uh, are asked about their intake prior to the development of the disease. Yeah, so definitely taking into consideration, I suppose, things like recall bias and, and um, there's a potential yeah, limitation. Exactly. Yeah, Okay. So I suppose the next question is about, you know, where to from now? I mean, were you able to hypothesize on what proposed mechanisms coffee consumption may be important in MS? There are several potential mechanisms um, that that could be considered. Um, A lot of people with MS have extra inflammation going on in the brain and um, caffeine and or coffee have been linked with reduced activation of those kind of angry inflammatory chemicals. Coffee also does have some impact on oxidative stress, which is 
a process that leads to damage um, to various cells in the body, including the brain. And so coffee and caffeine have been linked with an antioxidant effect. Um, so it may be that it also impacts the health of neurons as well. And in animals, there are some um, fancy sort of receptors that the coffee or caffeine works on that have been shown to be influenced um, and important to reducing the risk of the mouse model of MS. So there are a number of mechanisms that could link these things. And also, again, there are a lot of other sort of chemicals in coffee other than caffeine. So uh, there's a lot of uh, potential excitement for doing more research. And do these findings suggest that we should all be going out and drinking lots more coffee? Is that a simplistic, I mean, a simplistic interpretation? But <laughs> everybody's very excited about uh, about the prospect of I think of justifying our, our coffee yeah. uh, consumption habits. I think the jury's still out a little bit in terms of um, of that um, because these studies were retrospective. Or we ask people about their coffee intake prior to onset. I think it would be really important to do some prospective studies to be sure that that's a, a you know a healthy thing to do. Um, and certainly, drinking a lot of caffeinated beverages may not be good or healthy for other conditions. So, until until the results are confirmed in a prospective manner, I think it's probably not advisable to change um, one's caffeine or coffee intake based on a study yet. Yeah, definitely. All right, then. Well, well, thank you very much for joining me today, Ellen. That, that was really great. Yeah, thanks for having me again. So that was Associate Professor Ellen Mowry from John Hopkins Hospital, uh, who's talking to me about coffee consumption and its association with decreased multiple sclerosis risk. Also in this month's edition of the JNMP, our editor's choice is a paper by Dr. Yu and colleagues examining risk factors for predicting progression from mild cognitive impairment to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, by examining 60 cohort studies from 16 countries, the study authors were able to identify risk factors for progression to Alzheimer's disease within a population uh, with MCI. So please do visit our JNMP website to look at that editor's choice paper um, and you can download it for free. All the papers we discuss on this podcast are available for free download on jnmp.bmj.com. On behalf of the JNMP, and thank you very much for joining us today, and we look forward to tuning in with you all next time.